Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the most terrific podcast on the internet. This is episode number 230 of Linux in the Ham Shack, and we had our Hamvention wrap-up and kind of get-together shindig and announcement show last Thursday. Today is Memorial Day, May 28th, 2018. What this is going to be is a couple of interviews that we did during Hamvention. We actually went out and did some reporter-on-the-spot type stuff. Ooh. Although the guys actually came to us, so we. <laughs> well, didn't you go say something to him first, and they came back to you? No, no, I'm not sure how the first Steve wound up coming over and talking to us, but he did, and then the second Steve showed up. We have lots of information about Linux and the Flex Radio platform, so this is going to be our deep dive into Flex Radio. Two folks that we talked to were Steve Conklin, uh, who is not affiliated directly or officially with flex radio um, but he is an advocate and he is as you will hear the reason why the api has been opened for the flex radio platform his call sign is ai4qr and then we have another interview after that with an official member of the flex radio team steve hicks november 5 alpha charlie what we're going to do now is, well, I'll let the other folks introduce themselves. There's Cheryl over there. Hi, I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. Now General. Now General, Ooh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, Bill yeah. over uh, there. Oh, yeah, me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm Bill, NE4RD. And what we're going to do is sit back and relax for the next 30 minutes or so while we listen to these interviews uh, that we did at Hamvention, because we really couldn't hear them when we did them. Uh, we just kind of let the guys from Flex Radio talk. And now you're going to hear them, too. So this is a special installment for uh, Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Russ. I'm K5TUX. We have Bill here, too, uh, NE4RD. And with us, we are going to talk to Steve Conklin, AI4QR, who is from Flex Radio, a company that we deride quite often on the program. <laughs> um Mostly in jest, but uh, we do have a couple of issues with with Flex Radio. The first being that their uh, systems tend to be extraordinarily pricey, um, which I understand it's a it's a you know it's a newer technology, and you're not dealing with uh, necessarily cheap hardware and all of that. So you uh, definitely have some costs involved in producing the hardware. So we get why they're uh, more pricey than other things. Um, but the other thing is you can't use it on Linux. <laughs> Uh, yet. However, uh, there is an API, and that API has been published. So, Steve, why don't you uh, tell us as much as you can about um, Flex Radio to start with, and then about the software 
your own software to begin with and then the API and how we might get that API to become uh, Linux-centric at some point. Or not Linux-centric, but at least uh, Linux-friendly. So, yeah, Okay, I'm happy to do that. I am, first of all, we'll start with all the disclaimers. I'm not a Flex employee. Okay. I am a volunteer Flex user who comes up to Dayton to stand in their booth, and I'm, that's why I'm wearing their shirt, which is why you grabbed me. Uh, <laughs> I came to Flex early in the 6000 development because uh, they they put Linux in the box. There's Linux in the box, and that is GPL, and they if you own one, they will give you the source code if you ask for it. They needed a kernel driver backported for the uh, embedded uh, chipset that they were using, and, and I did that work for them, and I've continued to talk to them over the years. When they developed the AP... Now, now, the basic architecture is the radio is a server. It has a 10-gig Ethernet port on it, and the client connects to it and, and then gets audio streams and streams of the waterfall data and that sort of stuff. And I was strongly uh, encouraging of opening the API to them. I made the argument that we all know... Um, that the community will build things that you can't imagine, and they will do. They will take you in directions that are greater than what you can do yourself. Uh, they believed me. They opened the API, and uh, and I and I came to them. I'm a founder of Ubuntu uh, Linux, and and I. Or Ubuntu hams, and uh, and I've, I have six years with Canonical and six years with Red Hat, so I'm not new to the open source game here. Uh, talk to them about that. They opened the API. It's a very easy API. You can open Wireshark and figure it out in about ten minutes, and it's also documented. And there's a reference library which they will provide you. Unfortunately, that's uh, .NET code, and it's worthless for anything that we want to do. <laughs> so .NET Core? Or? Um, how, yeah, it won't It won't even run under any, any of the Not yet. libraries yeah. or anything, right? Yeah, okay. But it's easy. It's easy. It's a, it's a command port that you open with TCP, and you send it English commands to do certain things, and the radio does those things, and in response to some of those, it opens UDP ports back to you and starts spewing amounts of data at you. Which, so it's very easy to figure out. There, Lots of people have used this API to build various clients. There are telephone, you know, cell phone uh, clients, and there are lots of Mac. For some reason, the Mac world got on this, and there's a lot of Mac stuff that you can buy or, or find. Uh, iOS, it's certainly not impossible and it should be pretty easy yeah, to the guys ride a client. Dog, dog park, right? Did yeah, the dog park SDR, SDR is uh, works with that. Of, uh, making um, that work. I've wanted to write a client since I convinced them to open the API, but I just don't have time. And yeah. We, we've actually speculated, or at least I've speculated many times, that it's a time issue, that you'd actually have to do a considerable amount of work to take the API and turn it into something. Do you know if anybody's created any kind of language libraries like Perl or Python or anything like that that actually implement the API? There are some. Uh, some of them are closed that I'm aware of. Some of them are open. I saw one that was uh, written in Python and... Uh, the guy who wrote it showed it to me. He wasn't ready to open it. He said it was in bad shape, and he was correct. And I, I haven't followed up with him. I'm, I've am i started banging around on a very simple uh, framework in Go because the, uh, Go is very well suited to this sort of event-driven 
UDP packet reception environment. Uh, I'm just not sure how to wrap that for general use by a bunch of different API development environments. That's not my strength. I'm a very low-level server kind of guy, mostly. Uh, but, you know, somebody should do it. It's documented. You can test with it. Um, you need a radio to talk to, which is, you know, a, a hard bit, part. <laughs> or at least the expensive part. <laughs> it's not as expensive as it used to be. Yeah. And and those the entry-level radio, and, and this is not a sales pitch, although it well, is. You, you could do that if you wanted but, to. That's okay. No, that's all right. The ent- entry-level radio right now, um, as just a server, you know, no controls, just a jack on the Black back, box, right. uh, is two grand for the entry-level. And that's, for what it is, that's not a bad price. That's, like I, I think some... Uh, $6,400. $6,400 now. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think some people might look at $2,000 as a bit of sticker shock and may not consider that a reasonable amount of price, you know, for a, for a, for a ham radio. Full 100 watt. No, I, but I understand you can get to full 100 watt radios that have knobs on them for considerably less. I mean, you really can. But, I mean, obviously. Not the same performance, I don't think. You know, yeah, same this dynamic is not, range. This is, not a way, this is a way longer conversation <laughs> yeah. than we can have here. It's not a um, radio, per se. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a radio radio server Um, and you can I mean the things it'll do are pretty phenomenal and I would love to see them done on on Linux you can display 14 megahertz of bandwidth in one pan adapter right and you can display two of those uh, on even the lowest end radio so or uh, no that's not true it's 7 megahertz on the low end radio so you can display 14 megahertz of bandwidth total uh, on the entry level radio that's half of the entire HF spectrum it's a phenomenal and it's not unheard of I mean we got people like HackRF they got uh, their tools there they're running their tools on uh, Ubuntu uh, at the show here I know, I know Michael I lo- yeah. and, and Dominic. You got those guys. The Apache Labs guys. They're showing their HPSDR. Yeah, Tapper, HPSDR has been around. We get, I, yeah, even the ELAD guys. I saw some Linux stuff over there, yeah. and I, I didn't get a chance to talk to them, but uh, I well, saw they had some kind of remote display running on an Ubuntu yeah. system from their Italian There's Linux lab. in the Flexbox. Yeah. Um, as as uh, is with a lot of projects, there's a lot of GPL type software that shows up in these things because the coding is easy uh, and it's available, and it uh, makes the development uh, less expensive as well for the for the manufacturers. But do you have any uh, suspicion as to why Flex Radio, with the resources that they have, don't actually just create the Linux client themselves rather than put the API out there or do both? Um, yeah, it's it's pretty simple. They are m- probably a much smaller company than what you think they are. They have very limited uh, engineering staff and they have to spend their engineering you know talent very carefully and uh, like any profitable company they aim for where the money is and uh, it hasn't been demonstrated to them that there's a significant market in people who want Linux clients. Uh, there are a lot of people who come in and ask for Linux clients and ask when it's going to be supported, but they don't. Um, they're, I, they're just not in sufficient number to to sway the decision makers. Right. Well, that certainly makes a certain amount of sense. I do think there's a market out there that they may be missing, and obviously it's not going to be a huge part of their market share or anything like that, but they are uh, definitely missing folks who would be interested or more interested in the Flex Radio platform if there was a, a client, a more accessible client for something other than the Microsoft platform. But Generally, the, the amateur radio community is a hobbyist community, and you know, right. Linux is kind of in that same same realm when it comes to you know desktop users, because you know, even though every year is the year of the Linux desktop, it really isn't you know it's really the hobbyists that want to use the desktop linux for all of their applications and stuff like that well you can also make the argument if, uh, if i'm gonna try to be devil's advocate for, for their side 
the API has been open for several years, and no one has written a, a Linux client for it. So. Still um, you could money. You could make you could make the <laughs> argument that there's not enough demand for people to get together and build a client. I don't know if that's valid, but it, it is a counter argument that. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that is absolutely the case. But I think there again, you're lo- if you're looking at the hobbyist market, and it, if if it would be a hobbyist who would actually develop the client, then a hobbyist might not have the resources to even own a flex radio, yeah. and therefore they might not find it cost effective or time effective to do it themselves. You know what I mean? I do it, and there's some really interesting things that can be done with the flex that most people aren't even aware of. Um, there, you can insert your own codecs into the stream. Basically, the radio opens a stream out and a stream in, and they have a, a the D Star dongle that you can plug into the back and does that. And they but that's how the Codec 2 open source codec is implemented. Actually you can develop on a, an entirely separate computer. It could be a Linux box, people use Raspberry Pis, and um, with a developer key you can put that codec in a separate box and and just pipe your 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 data through it, your audio data. Uh, or IQ data, whatever you want, and uh, and then get that out. So, it, as a platform t- for developing new codecs and new tools and new modulation modes and things like that, it's a, it's a very powerful platform. But it just because there's no Linux client, that really hasn't been opened up as a, as an availability for most people. Well, I don't want to get too deep into this. I would like to maybe catch up with you later, and maybe we could do a deep dive episode specifically on the Flex Radio platform because I think there's a lot of information there, and I personally would like to know more about it and uh, stop being <laughs> negative about Flex Radio in general just because they have done some of the right things. I mean, they have pushed the API out there. It is available. They are using open-source software, and I think they are probably trying to make the hardware more price-accessible You know, as time goes on. Uh, so I think things are going in the right direction. There's starting, to be a, there's starting to be a secondary market there for used flexes and stuff like that. So, I mean, you're starting to have those That's really units. What's really interesting to me, and this is a, a kind of as an outsider, non-employee observer, they started this program of buyback, um, buyback older model radios. Um, trade and up, a lot of trade-up, yeah, yeah. trade-up, trade-in. But the thing that's interesting is they... They opened it to competitors' radios, too. And uh, so you could trade in any brand of radio for a flex. And that's, I, I mean, it's a different thing than I've seen any other vendor or any other. Uh, I mean, you can do it in the car market, right? The, yeah. You can do it in the used car market. But there are not many other places where you can do that. And uh, it just strikes me as an innovation that we haven't seen in the in the ham radio marketing yeah, world, and I'm curious to see whether that spreads to other vendors or, or not. Smaller companies allow them yeah. to be a little bit more nimble with that kind of yeah. thing. You know, they can make those kind of decisions to maybe really, really... Uh yeah, shake up the marketplace. And you can consider that, I guess, another way that Flex is being forward-thinking by actually opening up and maybe making the platform more affordable by and giving someone impetus to uh, switch over uh, to, a, to a different platform and try something else, something that has a little more flexibility and a little more power than just uh, an HF transceiver that you can sit on your desktop. Right, and it's a server, right? right. So it can be operated remotely, and, and, uh, and you know, that Flex already has that technology available. Yeah, it simplifies remoting. Like, that's the number one thing that people come to us. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to remote my entire shack well it's like well if you have a radio that has an ethernet port you've already done it (laughs) well the world is even with flex the world is not there yet 100 for everything that you own it's you know it's now there for the radio yeah it's it's the new amplifier that they sell which is a very high-end amplifier is totally integrated through uh, ethernet jack Uh, but if you run other things if you run transverters and rotators and antenna switches there's still 
you know, there's still some hooking up wires and figuring things out that you got to do. I'm not sure how simple that'll ever be because every shack is customized. But um, it's it, that's gonna we're gonna see a lot of that a development in there here in the next couple of years, I think. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you stopping and uh, coming by and talking to us about the Flex Radio platform. I'd love to, you know, maybe get you and some of the folks who are actually employed by Flex Radio to yeah. maybe come on and talk a little bit more about it. We appreciate. I'm not employed by them, and yeah. I do not officially speak for them. Yeah. That's yeah, right. We get a backstory uh, at some point on uh, how Ubuntu Hams has really started. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Be to Kamal Mustafa is still kind of active in that group, and he—I don't know—you probably know that name because he's yeah, a package yeah, maintainer for everything. Right. Um, he used to add his uh, PPA, but he's kind of let the launchpad thing kind of slide. Yeah. <laughs> um, he used to keep the FL Digi up to date, but no longer. I, well, I see Dave little... Freeze is doing a much better job of that oh, now, too. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think I, I still keep up with Kamal. We could, even though we don't both work for Canonical anymore, that would be a fun episode to talk about. Yeah, um, Ubuntu Hams. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely be in touch with you. And thanks once again. The, again, we have uh, Steve Conklin, AI4QR, who is uh, not affiliated with <laughs> Flex Radio, but. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. He's an owner, yeah. Yeah. He's an owner volunteer. And we'll catch up with you again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, we have another interview about Flex Radio. This has been a Flex Radio day. It's great for us because we don't really know that much about the platform, and I really don't want to say bad things about it like I have in the past. So... <laughs> Um, we have we have uh, we had an unofficial uh, flex radio advocate before. Now we have an official uh, flex radio advocate. Now uh, Steve Hicks and N5AC, and we're going to talk. Well, he's going to tell us all about flex radio. I, I could just hand this over to you, and you can tell us whatever you want to tell us about flex radio. Well, let's see here. The uh, it, uh, I'm guessing that your audience is technical and want to know some about the internals of the product. Probably and so like the main processor in the the uh, flex 6000 series is a T. DMS320 DM8168, which is a uh, it's a ARM that runs at 1.2 to 1.35 gigahertz, uh, and it has a C674X DSP processor in it. And so, uh, of course, the natural thing to run on something like this is Linux. And so we run. Uh, uh, multi-threaded Linux on one side and then on the DSP side we run a TI uh, implementation of their BIOS. And so uh, Linux is the main operating system in the radio and we run a, a fairly standard C application that controls everything, uses Linux drivers, all that kind of stuff. In fact, the guy you talked to earlier, Steve Conklin, did, helped us with driver development early on. And so uh, the majority of the platform, you know, majority of the work that goes into our radios uh, is actually done on Linux. Now, our customers, uh, I mean, if you do market landscape survey, you see most customers, most of the people that we serve are going to have a Windows PC or a Mac PC or something like, or a Mac computer or something like that. And so, uh, because our history is in Windows and we had Windows engineers, uh, our first client software was built uh, on Windows. And so, once you've developed a core of technology there, your tendency is to continue to leverage that moving forward. And so, that's what we've done. So, if you look at Smart SDR, uh, which came after Power SDR, they're both Windows-based applications and all that. Having said all that, I personally don't really care to develop on Windows. I mean, the tools are okay and all that sort of stuff, but I don't like Windows much in and of itself. And so uh, I prefer to do most of my development that I do on Linux. 
we've gone a couple of rounds trying to find people to help us develop a Linux client, which we would very much like to have, but we don't think there's a big market for it. Uh, when we go to shows, people ask us a lot about, in the, in the years past, they ask us a lot about Macintosh. Do you have a Mac client? That sort of thing. And so uh, we kind of looked around for people that could help us build both Linux, Mac clients, whatever else was available, because we feel like proliferation of the platform uh, is always better if you have clients that people want to run on. And so our preference would be to have Android, iPhone, iPad, Mac OS, Windows, Linux, whatever, you know, and, and make it uh, kind of universal. So the, the platform was developed from the ground up from an architectural standpoint to be very lightweight on the client side. So the client doesn't do uh, any DSP processing. It doesn't touch samples, anything like that. All it really does is command and control and display what the radio tells it to display. Most of the computations and everything like that is done inside the radio. So after we developed the Windows client, we produced a library that, so that the radio itself, the API and the radio, which we call the Smart SDR API, is all TCP socket based. So it's very natural for anybody that's doing any kind of network stuff. And then the streaming data, which would be meters, uh, the pan adapter, the waterfall, all that are UDP socket based. And they use a uh, common uh, RF standard uh, called Vita 49. All those things you can look up online are APIs published. And so we built our first client in Windows off of that, and we published the uh, library called FlexLib that translates between the socket-based communications and a more uh, class object-oriented interface, which is what C-sharp.net on Windows wants. And so that interface, uh, the, the both interfaces are available, and the library in C-sharp, which is, you know, it's like any other programming language. Anybody that's written in a few programming languages could read it, uh, is available so anybody can look at it and dissect it and build their own copy of it. Now, since we've done that, we've tried to recruit as many other people to build stuff on other platforms as we can. And uh, like we ran into uh, Don Argo, uh, VE3, uh, VRW, I think is his call, uh, who uh, does MacLogger DX. And, of course, the Mac is essentially a Linux environment, and we, uh, we convinced him by a little bit of twisting of arms that we would give him a radio and encourage him and that kind of thing if he would build a Mac client, which he did. So there's a Dog Park SDR that runs there. There's another individual that's taken FlexLive and completely ported it to run on Mac, and he has his own client, which has been made completely open source, and that's available on GitHub, so that client's available. Uh, another gentleman in uh, Germany, uh, DL... Oh, I'm going to miss his uh, number. DL4MRE, uh, Marcus created a uh, iPad iPhone app uh, doing a similar thing. He built his own uh, analogy for uh, FlexLive on the in Objective C on the on that platform, and uh, created a iPad and an iPhone application, both of which were great. In fact, that application looked so good, we decided to co-brand it to help him with the sales of it. Now, in all of the clients that have been done for us, the only one we really ever paid for was the Windows client. And client development is expensive. Early on, we said we wanted a, we wanted an iPhone Android client, so we looked at going and building those. We said, well, what's it going to cost? So uh, I have some friends that do uh, application development uh, on uh, phones and stuff, and I said, what would you charge me? We had a bunch of conversations, showed them some code, all that kind of stuff went back and forth. And in round numbers, it's 50000 bucks to go build a client uh, to get somebody to do it for you professionally. So we kind of looked at that. We looked at what could we sell an individual client for on those platforms? And, you know, we don't think there's a lot of money in it. Maybe 50 bucks a client or something like that. You kind of divide all that out and you got to sell 1,000 of them. And we didn't feel like there were 1,000 clients or 1,000 people that would buy on any one of those platforms. We didn't think there were 1,000 on Mac. We didn't think there were 1,000 on uh, iPhone. We didn't think there were 1,000 on Android or on Linux. Now, 
any of those decisions could be wrong. There could be 2,000 available on Linux. There could be 4,000 available on iPad, something like that. Now, I have some insight into, into the number of clients and what they're selling and stuff like that. And I, I still think those numbers are reasonable. Uh, so I would really like a Linux uh, client for our product, but I've been unable to really get one. So anytime, like I said, the, the guy that, that built the Mac client, we ran into him at a, a ham show. I looked at his stuff. We talked about it. I said, what would I have to do? tell me what I need to do. And and so we talked about the numbers and what's available. And I said, I don't want any of the revenue. I just want you to build a client for our radios. And so uh, this is kind of the model that we've had. In fact, uh, Steve introduced us to a couple of guys that were interested in building a Linux client. I'm like, we're here. You tell us what you need. We will support you. We sent them source code. We did all kinds of stuff. And I guess they were involved in some other things and got busy and didn't get a chance to go do anything. But I think a client uh, to be built on Linux would be a fairly simple thing. We, we've now had uh, four guys, I guess, completely build clients independently, and none of them had any great uh, difficulties doing that. So I think it's fairly easy to do it, and we'd love to support somebody doing it. So if you know anybody, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, I, I would love if there were a business case, I'd love to pay somebody to do it, and we have certainly no uh, objections uh, of Linux or anything like that because we program in Linux. It's my favorite platform of anything I'd work on. I'd probably like doing development on Apple, but I've never done anything there anyway. So that's kind of the story. All right, excellent. Well, I, I would say that uh, on the show many times I've mentioned that I would love for somebody to actually step forward and and put forth a Linux client now that the API has been put out there and that it's available. And now that I don't, I mean, we didn't know originally that Flex would actually kind of get behind and, and uh, create like a pursuit path for somebody to actually uh, to do the Linux client. And I'm not sure that you guys have actually put that out there in any way either, um, but. Uh, it's nice to know that that path is there. And if somebody wants to come forward and say they can, they have some time to devote and there might be actually some money behind it to develop the client, it, it might be nice to uh, have someone do that. And I, and I certainly didn't know before this that you were actually pursuing doing a Linux client. We figured it was a, a Windows world and you just kind of wanted to keep it that way. No. But <laughs> No, we would but, love to have a Linux client. We, we really would. And, and uh, we get, I, I mean, any any given show we go to, we probably have, one, two, three people come by and say, we wish you had a Linux client. We say, wish we had a Linux client too. We lament about it, sob a little bit, and then we move on. Uh, but uh, I, I really think if, if there's somebody out there that, that has the chops to go do it, there is a market for it. It's probably not as big as something we could afford to fund, but it'd be a great part-time project. And if somebody wants to, if somebody has the skills to do it, it's a revenue opportunity for them to, yeah. to do something in the in the ecosystem. It's like a pass-through library, like we see for a lot of the other SDR applications, like GQRX, Quisk, uh, HBSDR, and a bunch of other ones that are available for Linux. There's a lot of pass-through libraries for various architectures, like RTL SDR has their own set of drivers, and, and HackRF has their set of drivers, and everybody has their little little set of notches that give a kind of a, a, a interface you know translation layer into some of these applications that all share that same uh, same architecture and stuff like that maybe not all transmitting and stuff like that but they're they all have the same kind of foundation you know even if there's just like a small library that just kind of sits as a shim in the middle to get people started yeah yeah well we do great. we do have some other good code like that for example um, at one point we decided that one of the things we wanted to do was support as many different modulation schemes as we could. We don't have the time to go develop all those, so we created a uh, waveform library for the product. 
And so what this consists of is it's a uh, essentially a shim or an interface uh, where on the transmit side, we send you microphone samples. Your product is supposed to send us back uh, what we're going to send on air, IQ samples. And on the receive side, it's the opposite. We provide you IQ samples out of the receiver and you provide us uh, demodulated audio. And so uh, we've taken this now and created two separate implementations. One uses DSTAR, which of course is a proprietary chip, but we have uh, from uh, West, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to forget their names. Uh, we had some guys develop a, a dongle for us that plugs into the back um, that does the uh, decoding of the uh, DSTAR modulation format. And so we wrote the library and published that as an example. It's available on GitHub. And we also did this for um, uh, FreeDV, okay. uh, Codec 2. So uh, that implementation's out there. So you can look at both of those. It, it shows uh, interfacing with our TCP command and status stream. There's decoding of all that. And you can see how it detects that you're in transmit and whether or not there's a slice receiver that's created with the modulation scheme you want, all that. And those are both available on GitHub. In fact, we've told anybody that wants to develop a waveform that there's two ways to do it. Because our interface is strictly TCP UDP, you could develop it on any kind of computer that's standalone. You want to develop on a Raspberry Pi running Mint or something like that, you're more than welcome to do that, and you can connect to the radio and create a waveform that runs on a standalone Raspberry Pi if you want. But if you decide that you want to make that available to Flex customers to actually load into the radio, we have a mechanism for doing that, cross-compiling it to run on the ARM in the radio and producing a package, which you could put on your website that could be downloaded and run in the late or in the radio under Linux as a process under Linux. So there's a lot of Linux stuff going on with Flex Radio. It's just we just don't stand from the rooftops and say it's Linux coming, you know that kind of thing. So, um, so you've you've kind of hinted that you've approached people to try and produce an actual Linux client, and it's the Linux client that's the literally the public face of the radio, and that's the thing I think we're trying to address here. We know that the the subsystems and, and parts of the internals are are written on Linux and so forth. Have you actually thought about maybe publishing a, like an actual bounty and see if someone will just step forward and build one? No, that's a good idea. We could certainly do that. Um, I'll have to talk to the guys about it and see if it's of interest, but uh, that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, we, we were hoping what would happen is what's happened on the other platforms is that people would see it as a, uh, a potential revenue opportunity. They could do it, control their destiny, all that sort of stuff, and they wouldn't be... I don't know, entangle with us where there's something like that. But, yeah, we could put a bounty out. I'd feel bad if we put a bounty out and put some number out and four or five guys signed up and wrote stuff, and, and they all look like good clients, and I'm like, oh, which one do we pick? And I'd feel bad about that. So I don't know. Right, yeah, it's well, an option. Yeah. Is there, like, a, is there like, a, like an emulator so you don't actually have to have the rig to actually uh, have some type of... No, we've, th we've thought about that. Today, there is no radio emulator. The radio software has grown up over five years, and there's a lot to it. Yeah. And uh, it, it does, you know, it communicates over I2C and SPI to various components. There's an FPGA on there that spits samples to it. We'd have to build things that would emulate all those different pieces of hardware. The software is relatively layered where we could go do that, but it was not ever something that we felt like we had to have uh, internally, and so we just haven't gone and built that tool. All right, excellent. Well, I do think uh, we have a much deeper insight into the, the sort of the mechanisms and the, the inner workings of Flex Radio because uh, I definitely came to it from a sort of a point of ignorance. <laughs> I was just wandering around saying, when there's going to be a Linux client? When there's going to be a Linux client? You know, I'm uh, one of those three people that's at every show that says, where's the Linux client? Um, 
and it, as in the case of uh, you know the way people develop, there are a lot of folks who develop software who are here at Hamvention. They tend to develop uh, Windows platform software, and they don't want to budge. They don't want to open API anything. They don't. They want to do their own thing and and be their own thing, and they don't care about uh, compatibility or cross platform issues or anything like that. So it's really nice to see that Flex Radio is is not of that mindset and actually. Uh, is trying to put something out there. It just uh, sounds like a purely resource limitation. So. Yeah, yeah, that's really all it is, and it's a, it's really for us about the business case. And uh, if we if we thought the revenue was out there, we'd go do it ourselves. But what it, the hurdle that it takes us to go develop a client is different than the hurdle it takes an individual to go do it. If an individual wanted to do it and realized they could make ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars doing it uh, as a side business, that's a nice little side business for somebody who's a, a software engineer that might want to go do that. For us, it's not quite the business case that you know we we need to make quite a bit more money than that in order for it to be something that's a case for us to go do it. So. And that absolutely makes a lot of sense. So uh, is there anything you want to touch on just about Flex Radio, uh, the radios itself, the platform, give yourself a little bit of a sales pitch or something like that? We certainly uh, don't mind having uh, people hear about the platform. Maybe say something about what it can be other than simply an HF transceiver sitting on your desk because it's obviously much more powerful than that. Well, one of the, the things that the radio is built around, for those who don't understand the architecture, is it is a direct sampling radio, which means that uh, you can place multiple receivers on each antenna. And so, uh, like in a Flex 6600, for example, you could put two, uh, uh, two, you have two receivers, place them on each antenna, and then you put up to two receivers in each of those. So you could have four total receivers running and do things with it. And so there's a lot of applications that could be uh, brought to bear with that kind of technology. In a Flex 6700, you can put eight receivers in it. So we hope that there would be some unique applications that people would have that would be programmatic in nature, where they would task a whole bunch of receivers to go do things. We haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, so far, people have been using it primarily as an operating radio for uh, you know, ham radio contests and DXing and rag chewing and all the kind of things that most of us do in ham radio. But uh, the platform really is capable of a lot more stuff. We just haven't seen it exercised to its uh, full potential yet. Do you have some place that people could go to actually take a look at uh, details about the architecture and maybe uh, some tutorials or something like that that would explain uh, some of these um, more in-depth things that you can do with the radio other than simply using it to rag chew on 20 meters? <laughs> Yeah, in the download section of our website, there's some architecture uh, uh, white paper kind of things that tell you what the radio looks like inside. And then uh, if you go to uh, wiki.flexradio.com, it's the complete API for the radio that's published, and it tells you kind of how all that stuff works and how to access the radio and make it do things and that sort of stuff. I really do wish there was a simulator way for people to get started, but... The, uh, the entry-level radio is uh, $19.99, which is a Flex 6400, so uh, $2,000 isn't, it's not throwaway money, but, you know, for a full-functioning 100-watt radio that has uh, two receivers in it, you know, it's not a bad price either. Absolutely, and I want to thank uh, both Steves, actually, for uh, providing us some really, really good information about Flex Radio. I, I would love to have, like, come by the booth, but every time we're here at Hamvention, we're always slammed over here, and we never get a chance to kind of wander around and, and have people explain to us all of the, the good things that they're doing here, and I wish we had more time to do that, but we really don't. So I want to thank you, uh, November 5, Alpha, Charlie, Steve, and I forget you, <laughs> AI4Q... Are. All right, Steve, uh, the official Steve and the unofficial Steve from Flex Radio for uh, telling us a little bit about the platform. I really appreciate that. All right, thanks for having me on. And if there's anybody that is interested in writing a Linux client, please send me an email. It's just steve at flexradio.com. Thanks again for having me on. And thank you for coming. We appreciate it. All right, and there you go. Two interviews 
uh, both with Steve's from uh, the Flex Radio platform. So the more I listen to that, the more the the deeper that I realize that Steve Hicks actually gets into the radio. He talks about uh, <laughs> the uh, the TI chip and the IQ sampling and the UDP transport and all that kind of stuff that uh, the radio does. So if there was ever a deep dive, this was probably it. But if there's any one takeaway, if there's somebody out there, if there's a software engineer who wants to make a few bucks and create a Linux client for the Flex Radio system, I think the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So hopefully that was of interest to people. I mean, I I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to both Steves, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting in touch with Flex Radio and uh, seeing what else they have to to talk to us. And it looks like we might even get a chance to uh, talk with Steve Conklin about uh, Ubuntu Hams, which uh, would be really cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've been deep diving into GitHub now. (laughs) <laughs> you, you're always deep diving into GitHub. What are you talking about? I, I was just looking at some of the projects and stuff like that people have uh, done with the uh, with the library and stuff. So I found like a PowerShell one and a couple others. Yeah. Since the API is published, you can wrap anything around it. Um, you know, so hopefully we'll uh, have a Linux client before too long. Maybe this uh, episode of Linux in the Hamshack will be the inspiration someone needs to actually go out there and write one. That'd be fantastic. So uh, ne- next time we visit them at Hamvention, they'll be able to show off their shiny new Linux client. <laughs> yeah, I'd really, I'd really like to see HPSDR be, uh, be used in that aspect just because it already has all the uh, tooling for it, uh, at least on the UI side. Need to secrete all the hook of the radio. Yeah, very much so. And Dave uh, says you enjoyed your beer, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how many beers you were in at that point, but... I can't remember. That was like Saturday, so that was like the... Uh, that was beer day. That was beer day. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was more than two at that point. I, I believe it was, yes. <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's bring it back around, and we'll uh, finish up this episode with a couple of pieces of feedback we've gotten. And the first one is one I got a couple of weeks ago from Pavel, Charlie Oscar 7, Whiskey Tango. Uh, he says, hi, OMs in the LHS podcast. Big fan here. I hear you every time I can. From Cuba, the internet is an expensive resource, but I managed to download your podcast and listening, uh, not for bedtime for sure, I have a tip about a new tool for verify, compile, and this is, you know, is uh, broken English I'm reading here, so it's not me. I'm not having a stroke or anything. And upload Arduino codes for Linux users, its own development from a time ago. I hate the lack of special functions in the Arduino IDE environment against any modern IDE like Geary, Atom, Eclipse, etc., and build this tool a time ago uh, he built this tool some time ago uh, now with the request for support for a newer board i have to revamp the house and make it full compatible with modern boards uh, the result is nice in my humble opinion give it a try it has some advantages over other solutions in the wild no fuss of dealing with make files arduino make file no particular structure just plain and compatible arduino code like i know and arturo projects and more simple than native Arduino IDE CLI, it's in fact a wrapper for the Arduino IDE command line interface with some barbecue sausage. That's uh, an <laughs> interesting reference. Uh, and prepared for more. Give it a try and comment on the show. Uh, 7.3 from CO7WT. And we will have a link to Pavel's GitHub project called AMake, uh, which is a build platform for Arduino software. Yeah, it looks cool. All right, so Cheryl decided to come back just in time. And she's not in. Uh, and, yeah, she's not 
Are you, you're not in the ether pad, are you? No, why? Oh, because I was gonna have you read a story. I guess I won't. Yeah, I'll read this. All right, you can catch up and do the next. There you go. (laughs) So this is a message from Roger Meadows via Facebook. Uh, Just loaded Ubuntu on an older Dell laptop. I have. Should I had used a different version? Here, y'all mentioned the the different builds. I'm just getting starting, uh, starting and looking for something to play with without getting frustrated. And he's uh he's talking about our builds that we uh, done for the uh, LHS uh, version one, and uh, we have those for Mate, Budgie, Lubuntu. Ubuntu and uh, KDU, KUBuntu, Kubuntu, yeah. <laughs> KDU Ubuntu, which of course you can try on all those old systems. Um, and uh, as long as it's 64 bit, we'll have those. We also have the 32 bit ones, and uh, those are easy to get going and get uh, get running. Obviously, they already have all the uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend stuff on it, so it makes it even easier to uh, to find all those packages that are so well hidden via the meta packages. Absolutely. So give Ubuntu a try. Even straight up Ubuntu, even if it's not our LHS V1, is a perfectly acceptable alternative for doing ham radio. Yeah. You can always just install the ham radio dash star packages or ham radio dash all, depending on which version you've got. You'll have all the software you need. And if there's more software out there, you know, just download it and install it. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, not too hard to come by. And of course, we have that, uh, we still have that video series up on our uh, YouTube channel that has uh, how to get your Ubuntu. Uh, computer all ham radio ready which is basically very similar steps we took to build the uh build the lhs uh, disc so uh you can always uh go over there if you've loaded uh, just basic ubuntu and uh, use that and i believe it also worked fine for uh, any ubuntu derived systems so like mint and stuff like that all right and this last one was going to be kind of back to front because it was in a twitter conversation with the flex radio guys about the flex radio platform we've already answered the question but cheryl can go ahead and read the question so that uh if uh, the gentleman here has actually listened to the episode, he already has his answer. Okay. Well, this is a comment via Twitter from N5FPP, and his uh, comment was, if there are Linux desktop applications that can control or process Flux Radio IQ streams, please highlight them. I prefer to run a Linux macOS station as the software is available to modify and study. Sometimes being wrong is good. Yep, and the the comment about being wrong was in reference to Flex Radio talking about the fact that this stuff had already been published and that the radio is built on Linux and this API is already published and everything is already out there. So um, that's why he said he was wrong. He he sort of came to Flex Radio the same way I came to Flex Radio, and I've been educated, and hopefully everybody has been educated at this point. So and now I just need them to send me one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep uh, dreaming, it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. if I'm going to dream, I might as well dream big, right? Well, yeah. I mean, course. he's the one who said the 6400's only 1995, right? I mean, yeah. What a bargain. Yeah. What? Yeah. What a bargain. If it's more than nineteen dollars and ninety five cents, <laughs> it's out of your price range. So I guess I could say I will build them a Linux client if they give me a radio. Just give me eight years. And um, <laughs> yeah, you and, you and I don't think that's a timeline they're yeah, looking for. You and Bill can get right on that. So yeah, they might be looking for something a little more uh, prompt. I would guess. But yeah, uh, an emulator would be great. an emulator That's would be sure. a wonderful thing. But as you heard Steve Hicks say that uh, them actually building the, you know, the thing is, I think if they got around to the point where they actually built the emulator, they might as well just build the client while client, they're at it. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, well, maybe they'll set up like a, a data center with them. So uh, you can uh, maybe like uh, rent time on uh, just the uh, Ethernet side of it. 
Yeah, there's an interesting idea. That didn't come up during the conversation. So I know that uh, both Steves will be listening to this episode because they both referenced it on, on Twitter. So uh, there you go, guys. There's a set up a lab, publish it, and uh, let us all get in there and, uh, you know, contribute. Your- make sure everything's connected to a dummy load. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't need any signals. Right. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for episode number 230 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We do want to recognize the folks who showed up in the chat room tonight. We had Paul KE5WMA. We had Dave KB0OWD, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, and other Don KB2YSI. So thanks to everybody for listening. We will have an episode again in a week's time. So number 231. And that will be our short format episode. But for now, we'll say adieu. And I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in a ham shack in the Linux in a ham shack logo are released under a Creative Commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license.